podcast to mega visions magazine where we chat about the latest sega and video game news and just generally bitch and moan about our jobs and children joining me this week as always is rob aka sketchcraft hey what's up what's up man uh we also got scotty here how's it going buddy i'm mickey mouse they don't know who's inside the suit and we also have marson what's up man how's it going it's going 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 Guys, uh, did you guys hear that we are the 115th most popular podcast in Norway? Some big news right there. Finally. Yeah, you've been telling me every <laughs> single day this week. I had Finally. to correct you because earlier you thought we were like the 150th. Yeah. And so <laughs> we're moving up the charts, baby. Taking yeah. the podcasting world by storm. Do we it doesn't matter which for, charts uh, we're moving up them, though. Do we qualify for their health care? If we can, let's hope we get up to the top 100. <laughs> like I think it's like top 100 before we get um, Their network sucks, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept that. We will take uh, every European country one by one until we're number one in all Maybe. of Europe, but not the United States. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, the, the, one. see. We'll build a following outside of the States. And then by the time we get to the States, everybody's like, why don't I know who they are yet? Yeah, we're just so popular. <laughs> we're the David Hasselhoff of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Super huge in Germany. Ooga, chaka, ooga, ooga. Yeah. Rob, what have you been up to this week? Oh, what have I been doing? Uh, preparing for Mega Visions issue eight. So we got to have a meeting today to figure out how that's going to go. But um, I've been laying out comics for that. So we're starting a little mini comic in that issue that's tied into my own little personal universe uh, comic that I've been developing called Game Cave and sort of been doing both and and uh, haven't really been drawing comic book layouts. Um, ooh, I don't know, for about 10 years now. So I, <laughs> I walked away. I dropped. I, I laid down my John Wick guns and buried the gear and <laughs> and quit that industry after a tremendous I, I worked on this briefly i worked on a uh was working on a graphic novel for death jr you remember that video game oh wow yeah on psp oh, yeah. yeah so we were doing this this graphic novel with the studio that was going to be the next game and then the the uh, recession hit and just wiped out like two years of my effort so i just quit at that point so i've been getting back to that and having a really good time and I gotta go on a little trip this week down to San Diego. And when I get back, uh, maybe we'll get started. Maybe we'll get started, or we won't. We'll see. We'll see. Awesome, Scotty. What have you been up to? Uh, unmuting my mic for one. Um, I have uh, not much. I saw uh, Keanu Reeves has a new movie out, and it's not John Wick Three. If you guys didn't know, it's called Replicas. Didn't know what that was about. Just saw his name and was like, I could make that Showtime if I leave now. And um, it's dumb. Uh, Parts of it are good, but it's a it's a classic. Should I make 
robots of people? Should people be sentient? Should robots be sentient beings? Yada yada. It's it's good. I paid five bucks. I think I got my money's worth. Um, and uh, played some more Panzer Dragoon Saga for the stream. Uh, made some progress in that. It's kind of going a little faster than I thought it would, but I think that's because when I play games like this, I take my sweet time. But for the sake of being entertaining live, I'm not going to like scour every ounce of the uh, everything. I realized um, I forget who exactly told me this in the stream. I apologize, but when I first beat the game forever ago. Um, it, like it shows you a percentage and it said I only had like 62% done of the whole game, even though I had beaten it. So I was like, holy crap, what else do I have to do in this? But someone informed me when you're like going through areas and there's like a map for uh, wherever you are. And as you explore it, it fills in. And, you know, to the point that there like might be a little southwest corner that you didn't fill in, but there's nothing over there. So why bother going there? That's included in the 100 percent. Like you have to explore all the maps, find all the items, collect everything in the game. It's insane. So I don't know that I'm going to do that for the sake of the stream, but uh, it's interesting to know that now. Um, but uh, that's been going well. I play uh, it's a it can be a slow drag at times. So I play uh, more fun, not more fun, but I play a more actiony game at the end. I played Mass Destruction, which is a good old kind of thing. Soviet strike or urban strike or jungle strike. But you're in a tank and just everything explodes um, and played some more Detroit Become Human. I still don't know how I feel about that game. Uh, big fan of Heavy Rain Beyond Two Souls. Haven't tried David Cage's earlier stuff. But I that. love all of David Cage's work, so I, I haven't played it yet. My daughter actually got it for Christmas, uh, so oh, I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. It's um, I hate David Cage as a person, but I like his ideas. <laughs> He's just a super arrogant right. asshole. But um, <laughs> you but, said yeah. you and every woman who ever dated him, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's well. Uh, part of the reason I wanted to play it is my girlfriend, who doesn't really play a lot of video games. I felt like it was something we could switch off in. Uh, and it's definitely turning into that. And I think she's way more engrossed in it than I am. Uh, but that might also because be because I've played Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, so I can kind of see where his formula is going. I just hope it, um, I don't know, I hope it succeeds. I, I don't know. I hope it portrays what it's trying to portray well. Um, and then the last thing I played a little bit of was uh, Rocket League, because that actually just was announced that it is cross-play for everything, PC, Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, which is kind of a big deal. Um, cause I think Fortnite's the only other game that does that right now, but, uh, I love rocket league. I love supersonic acrobatic rocket power battle cars, the prequel to that game. Um, so it's very exciting to see like this team do so well and achieve such a crazy thing. Yeah. My kids went and they were really big into that for a while until they discovered Fortnite, and then they That's a shame. don't play anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Rob, I'm sorry. I think I cut you off before. Uh, you didn't get to tell us what you've been playing. Um, did you have any other stuff you were up to this past week? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of playing games, I played through a game called Dolphin Blue. Are you guys familiar with oh, that? Oh, my God. I do know that game. That's a, kind of a Metal Slug type thing, right? Yeah, so this game came out in 2003, which is why I missed it, because I was in college um, not spending money at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, but it's like a Metal Slug type game where the the backgrounds are complete they're low poly they're 3d they're low poly 3d it's a dreamcast quality power stone 2 mm -hmm. but the characters are hand drawn sprites and they have like a uh, i want to say like a miyazaki meets uh capcomish you know kind of mega man legends feel to them i could see it definitely like a certain upbeat charm to it 
Yeah, and and you know I'm playing through and and they did a lot of really it's a fun game first off. It's an incredibly long game as well. I mean the it took me like an hour to get through the entire and this is an arcade game. Like the entire campaign. Um there's there's a lot there's there's not a ton of variety. I mean there's land, there's underwater, there's these missions where you're riding the dolphin, you, you use the dolphin as a weapon. Um, I really think it would make a great port for like the 3DS because the way it uses uh, polygonal ships, there's a lot of battleships and, and underwater aircraft that rotates and things in the background that shoot out at you. Uh, and I mean, if you if they redid, if they took that exact game and just pumped it up a little bit, maybe maybe improved the water effects. The water effects are sad. It takes place entirely on the ocean, so like the water is just not it's not impressive given that. That's around the what? What year did Wind Waker came out in two thousand two or two thousand three? What did? I'm sorry, I missed Wind Waker. Remember that game? That's like maybe two thousand three at the earliest, right? Two thousand two. Two thousand two. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. So two thousand. So so if it had Wind Waker water, uh, it would be graphically impressive. But there's it just uses that that you remember they used to do like a transparent polygon shade like gradient shade for water back in the day yep. so it's more like final fantasy 7 the water that's it's, look it's a nitpicky thing but the character sprites are really <laughs> animated like they're really quite good it's fun so if uh i mean i'll tell you what if i had played the game in the arcade i would have eaten through a lot of fucking quarters man that game is hard so but it's it's good it's surprisingly it's a game we should be looking at possibly for Obviously, Mega Visions, and then I I've just it. been playing Dragon Quest Eleven regularly now. So, sadly, I only got to play it a couple times due to my my work commitments. But I'm actually playing it regularly. Just got out of the castle, hanging around, leveling up and stuff. So uh, it's pretty good. You know, I'll, I'll say this though, man. There's a lot of complaints about the the soundtrack in Dragon Quest Eleven being MIDI, and I gotta agree with them. I uh, I love me Dragon Dragon Quest, my favorite series ever. But I gotta say, dude, the music is too good to to be in MIDI anymore, especially with the uh, the graphics being so well done. Like it really needs it needs that smooth finesse of the orchestra. And I just don't understand. Like when you're in a, when you're in a cave and you have like a one note synthesizer just going, nee, 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 you know, and you're just like fucking little salty here, people. You know, like little little bit of flutes, some violins or something. Like it just it grates on you, so it's 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 a shame. I mean, luckily you can turn the music off and put on your own tunes, which is what I do. But um, yeah, I, I I'm just gonna reiterate a point. I would gladly pay another sixty dollars to get an official patch on my PS4 <laughs> with symphonic orchestrated soundtrack. Man, I I don't understand. That is crazy, but that does show like the best soundtracks are the ones you don't notice at first because they blend so well. Hmm. But, oh, you're uh, gonna notice this one. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it demands to be known. Yeah, that's such I a wanna... weird thing. I wonder why they chose to do that. I do not know. I mean, it, there is a there is a symphonic soundtrack uh, that was recorded, and people have unofficially patched it into the PC version. So, I mean, like, I'm not building a gaming rig to play Dragon Quest Eleven. Like, <laughs> that's where I draw the line, you know, just with everything in life but i am hoping that when it ends up on the switch that there's a version there for that um oh yeah really quickly guys this is semi-gaming related uh i went to target to go buy clothes 
uh, flannels because you know the winter the winter is a is upon me here in Idaho. Um, and I came back with every Ducktales toy they had, uh, <laughs> and not one flannel. That sounds uh, but, like a correct t- target trip. My my wife was like, "Are you kidding me?" Now I haven't bought like toys in this this amount since uh, the Earthworm Jim figures came out around 1995. Oh, Remember those? Some mm-hmm. of the best packaging, by the way. They use that really great rendered uh, Earthworm Jim stuff. But the Ducktales figures are surprisingly well made, well packaged, and like they even have a money bin. I bought the money bin. And so they have these minifigure versions as well of the DuckTales. So it includes Darkwing Duck and some other, I think Goslin grew up or something, like a giant goth duck. Anyway, but they come in these little mini coin containers that you can stack up just like Uncle uh, Uncle Scrooge's gold, you know, gold coin stacks. And you could put them in the muddy bin and they fit. So you got like all these stacks of gold. So I bought, I bought everything. Probably spent like 200 bucks on DuckTales. That's awesome. What, how many uh, different figures did you end up getting? Uh, I got all, let's see, there's, there's Uncle Scrooge, Glumgold, Launchpad, Donald, and then the, the, the nephews and the net, the niece, they come in a two pack each. So that's six right there. Plus there's a plane that comes with a launch pad. I got that. There's the money bin. That's eight. And I bought like 12 of those gold coin things. I've got all the characters plus Darkwing and the other one to just stack up all the gold. So, Oh, wow. I looked up pictures. They thought this through. Yeah. You've got the whole vault that you can put them in as your like action figure holder thing too. Look, I don't like modern toys. Like I I actually go to the toy aisle just to, just to complain and grumble like an old man, you know, these kids and he's, I I just don't like the quality of them at all. Uh, But I just stopped and was like, Oh my, I, I almost ran from the back of the store to the front of the store to get a cart, you know, <laughs> uh, I didn't want to it was over. just that like stern focused quick walk. Yeah. 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 I was, <laughs> I was a man child, you know, like, and I had a boba tea in my hands. So I was like, look at me. I got a boba tea and I'm buying ducktails toys in the middle of life. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a man child, man, but I, I love, I set them all up. So there's this, and my wife bought these corner displays for a bedroom and she's like, you've got to decorate this corner display. And it's this, iron grate thing and i haven't put anything in there yet because we just moved in last year and i've been lazy i stacked i just i lined all the duck toys 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 on there perfectly you know like they're all like laid out and she's just like really every morning i gotta wake (laughs) up to that i'm like you bet your goddamn ass you do like i i just look over i just it makes me so happy I love the ducks, guys. I love the ducks. Like I really, and then I really, like, really do. And then like you told me to decorate. I did what you said. It's coordinated. Look at that. I got Scrooge and Glomgold at the top with the gold coins, and I got Donald and the nephews on there, and I got launch pads, and I got the money bin. Like it all fits. <laughs> it was like meant to be. I gotta say, my favorite uh, duck character from that time, and I don't even know if he's actually officially part of the universe, is Count Duckula. He was no. my all-time favorite. No, he's not, but he's he's the best. I know, but Count Duckula is awesome. Yeah, I wish Disney would buy that and make uh, Count Duckula and Danger Mouse part of the uh, the Duckverse. That would be really awesome. It could be the British invasion of Duckbird. You know, <laughs> that would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's pretty good. I want to say on Dolphin Blue real quick. I did play that game actually at Magfest a couple years ago. Or no, 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 no it was t- too many games. Uh, with my buddy AJ, and he loves Metal Slug, so I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've got to find this game to like give him as a gift." And it was on like a Blast City, um, 
uh, what's it called? Cab or whatever, maybe a candy cab. But yeah, it's never been ported to anything. It's only ever been in arcades, but it is a solid, solid game. And the best part was when that one level where you're you're always riding on a dolphin or you got your dolphin nearby. And then suddenly you start chucking your dolphin at people like boomerangs. And we're like, is that are we wait, we're using the dolphin as our gun now. This is great. There's also a lot of little storytelling things in the game. So you're trying to save this princess and you'll be like going, let's say you're in the water and you're taking down a ship or you're fighting some guys. And then in the ship, in the background, you'll just see her being escorted by prisoners, you know, to jail. Like you're always, like they always, they integrate little, little animations and little storytelling animations, even though there's no voice dialogue in the game uh, that way. And again, it's just, I'm telling you, it's a definition of a hidden gem. Yeah, no, it's really, really good. And it was made by Sammy, so it's sort of Sega related. Right. Uh, I know. It's a good game. Go play it. Dolphin Blue if you got name. Good luck. I'll have to check that out too. Uh Marson, what have you been up to? Uh I honestly haven't done much, so I guess that kind of evens out your other guys' stories. Uh <laughs> but yeah, so it it was actually not that eventful this week. I played some Nintendo Switch. Um, I got my W two, so I'll probably start doing my tax returns. That's a fun game. And uh, <laughs> life. So yeah, the game of life. Um, but yeah, nothing crazy on my end. So there. Play anything good? Uh, besides the Pokemon game, not really. I am looking forward to getting Resident Evil two. Uh, and then well, oh, I, I did see the uh, Mortal Kombat eleven reveal. Um. Uh, when I was at work, <laughs> um, and I was, I was, I guess, kind of impressed by it. I'm, I'm still not sure. I mean, there are 24 characters. They're probably going to release, you know, two seasons pass worth season pass <laughs> passes worth of Mortal Kombat characters after they release the original version but uh i mean from what i've seen it looks pretty good i mean I, it looks similar to world combat 10 with the exception of some i think new additions from injustice 2 i believe um but yeah the storyline is always what intrigues me from those games so i'm looking forward to that and their prologue that they showed um for that uh during that uh reveal was really good on a on an artistic note, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna buck the trend here on that game and just say uh, I think their engine is is really outdated by now. Like it it just the game doesn't look very good to me. Uh, I appreciate the gore that they've gotten in in real time graphics. You know, like I think they've done a good job there. Like sometimes yeah. you definitely want to vomit, um, <laughs> but but the lighting and and the 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 the, the, the art direction just I just feel like. It just, I mean, if the guys at Rocksteady over at Warner's Interactive were designing this game, it would look a thousand times better. But I guess we're just so, you know, the gamers are so hardcore for their, their Mortal Kombat. They, you know, it just, it was, I don't know. I, 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 it definitely looks a little better than that Injustice 2. I thought that game looked like a PS3 game with like better lighting i mean cool. it didn't it didn't look nearly as good as killer instinct 3 which i thought was a fairly cheaply made game so i don't i don't know man i don't understand the the hype around this i i really thought that mortal kombat hd demo some guy on the internet made was more impressive uh, in terms <laughs> the, of mortal kombat you know? one 
Yeah, yeah, where he they they reshot the Mortal Mortal Kombat One stuff using HD cameras, and gosh, I mean, it seems like such a simple thing to do, but it looked quite amazing. Maybe that's um, what they should do, like how Sega went back retro with Sonic Mania. Maybe Mortal Kombat should go back and have, even if it's like a spinoff, I think it'd be interesting. You know, what if? And this sounds a little off topic, but what if? they did take the budget instead of making a mortal Kombat tv series what if they took or a movie what if they took that budget and got live action actors and did as much real-time effects and and makeup and everything they could do and made like a 200 million dollar mortal Kombat like live action game you know does that make sense like you take that yeah. budget, like i wonder that'd be interesting to actually see put into a fact but yeah, right, but I mean, look, people seem to be very happy about this. I don't understand this stiff jumping. Every time Rain jumps stiffly, like he's been doing that since 1993. He's like, Hoo-doo! like I, <laughs> I just look at it like it's so bad stiff. Joints. It's like just, you know, he just has bad joints. You know when you get those action figures back in the day that can't move, and you're like, I don't care. You know, like that's good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so but it looked cool, right? I mean, yeah. Chris, did you, you're a Mortal Kombat guy, right? Yeah, I like Mortal Kombat. I, I haven't played the, any of the newer games uh, in a while. Um, I thought it looked really good. Um, I definitely want to play it, uh, but we'll see. Um, look good. Look pretty good to me. So I'm excited for it. Chill. Uh, so my week was going pretty uneventful uh, for the most part until like Thursday morning. I'm driving to work and it's completely dark out still. Uh, and so I just listened to a podcast. And I'm just kind of tuned out, you know, when you just drive the same path or, you know, that you do every single day. And uh, out of nowhere, a freaking deer runs out and I smash into it. And uh, first time I've ever hit a deer in my life. Um, it scared the shit out of me. And uh, thankfully, I, uh, I drive a Chevy Tahoe, but it has this gigantic like zombie grill on the front. And so whenever the zombie apocalypse happens, I'll be able to, you know, smash through hordes of zombies. Well, thankfully, I had that because if I hadn't, uh, that deer would have just completely demolished my front end on my top. So it did survive the deer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The only damage I took, um, it looks like it bent the uh, the grill a little bit. Uh, but it, I think the deer rolled up onto my hood. So I think I'm gonna have to get a new hood and then it broke, uh, one of my headlights, um, a little bit. So I'm going to replace the headlight too. Uh, but as far as that, I mean, it could have been way, way worse if I didn't have that grill on there. And, uh, and my wife actually drives the same way to work, but she was coming about an hour later and she, she messaged me and she's like, Oh my God, I just saw the deer you hit. It was a baby, and its mom was standing there next to it, really looking really sad. And I was like, "There's no way that deer I hit was gigantic." Uh, she was just trying <laughs> to make me feel bad. Um, but yeah, man, that was uh, that was that really kind of threw my day into a to a spin. So fuck uh, deer. Yeah, deer are the worst, man. Deer suck. They're the dumbest animals on the planet. I hit a deer. I'm not going to tell the story for the sake of time, but boy, an entire day of my life was gone after I hit a deer. Woof. So, Chris, what you're saying to me is that you were the sole survivor of a crash, right? right? And uh, <laughs> you now feel the you are compelled to help save the city against uh, all the evil deer. Yeah, I'm just no. going to kill them one did, by uh, one. In theaters now, copyright crap. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, 
my wife wants to go take a look at this house uh, here in town because uh, my other daughter might end up moving back uh, in with us. So that would make our house right now uh, a little crowded. It's like a four bedroom that we're in now. So we just look into get a, um, a bigger place and the house in town, it's like this old Victorian house. It's really nice, at least from the pictures that we saw. Uh, and it's just gigantic. It's probably close to, uh, let me see here. I think it's almost like 4,000 square feet, 4,100 square feet, um, over that, uh, like a three story tall, uh, built in like the 1800s, 1850, something around there. And, uh, we ended up going into it and the guy's showing us around and it's pretty nice. You can tell though, that it's going to need some work. Like, uh, like the first floor, it has those old, uh, electrical like setup where you have to press the buttons. Like there's no switches. It's a, like a button that you press. Um, and so we would have to completely like redo the wiring and stuff on it. Um, and there was uh, it actually has like a widow's peak. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a house that has one of those. It's like at the very, very top of the house. Have you ever seen that? Before? Sure. I know what that is on a human. Yeah. I don't think I know what that is on a house. It's like a like a or like a, a widow watch or something. It's, it's something like it. so. It's it's basically just at the very top of the house. Um, it has this like tiny narrow stair stairs that you have to go up, uh, and then you have to like lift a latch on top. And it's just uh, a small room on top of the house, basically that has windows oh. on every side. It's so almost like a crow, yeah. It's like a crow's nest of the house, right? <laughs> essentially. Um, and so. You know, it, it seemed all cool and everything, but then the guy took us down. Uh, I saw like a, a a door to go to, down to the basement. I'm like, hey, I want to check it out and see what's down here. Super creepy. That's where it, that's where it got like really weird. Um, there were just like uh, just weird like little, I don't know, like uh, like rooms down in the basement, like off to the side. And I I could have sworn like under the stairs it went back like really far, and you couldn't even see it. Um, see down there, I felt like, uh, it just, it made me kind of feel weird, uh, down there is, is really creepy. I know that if, if we ever had to send our kids down there, they'd freak the hell out. <laughs> they would never want to go down there. Um, and then I was like looking around the kitchen area. There was a hallway down there and there was a, a little door and I opened it up and I didn't even realize, but it was a, a bathroom in there. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. There's a, a tiny little bathroom under the stairs, not very big or anything. It was just really unassuming. But then I started looking next to the toilet and I noticed that uh, there was some, it looked like something had been drawn on there, but it was painted over. And I, I got a closer look and it looked like some sort of like Egyptian hieroglyphics that had been painted there, like um, a scarab and all these uh, weird symbols. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I, I posted the photos online and on Facebook, people have been, you know, telling me all about like what they think it could be uh, and stuff. And it, I have no idea. It looked like some sort of weird, like satanic pictures or something on there. It freaked me out. Um, Maybe just like tacky wallpaper they painted over. <laughs> no, it the, was, it's definitely not wallpaper. Yeah. The um, I'm looking at the picture right now that Chris shared with us and it, I guess it should kind of be emphasized that um, this is on like old wood paneling or not. Well, just like old white wood painted over, but it's clearly like these are, someone took their time to write these because of how straight and parallel they are to each other. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like a weird triangle, a snake. Uh, I don't know. Is that a shovel? But yeah, there's definitely a scarab like, 
yeah, I don't know. But I do want to like emphasize that Chris weird. said the place made him feel weird down there. So Chris is really excited about this place, actually. <laughs> right. I would say all I hear, man, is that there's serious metal fatigue in all the load-bearing members, the wiring so standard, and it's completely inadequate for your power needs. <laughs> that's that's all I hear. So you should stay there. Try it out for the yeah. night. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> But as if you need like another haunted house or a house that's near like a graveyard or some shit or Indian burial ground, I feel like you might want to steer clear. Although I think that area that you live in general is probably just has haunted buildings anyway. So if you want to stay there. Yeah, it's, if the house we're in now isn't haunted, uh, that one definitely is. And so um, we actually have some friends that are that lead a paranormal uh, research group or investigation group. And so uh, my wife wants to have them go with us next time just to see if they uh, feel anything or anything like that. So just for fun. But anyway, more to come on that. My wife really wants to get this house and I, I just, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to deal with all the, uh, the bullshit that's going to come uh, along with that. So does, does it, um... uh, so we'll see, I'll be sure to let you guys know. Is it like the, even the um, the the wall sockets? Are they only two prong sockets? I didn't see any of the two prong sockets, um, but I think there are some on the the first okay. floor. Um, the kitchen has been updated, uh, which is kind of weird too, because in the kitchen there's like a over the the stove there's like a a brick like it looks like a giant like brick fireplace, but they. They built it. Um, it's a new kind of like a addition, whatever they put on there. But on in the center part, there's a uh, a Freemason symbol that they had put on there. So that just kind of adds to the the strangeness. Uh, Tucker Carlson lives in your basement. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, I keep telling her, I'm like, this is the like Amityville Horror House, and you're going to make me move in here, and I'm going to go crazy and end up like killing everybody, and it's not going to be my fault. It's going to be your fault because you make me move in this place. So, um, some more to come on on that, guys. I'll, I'll <laughs> that let you know how that incredibly goes. dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she just sat there. I was just thinking about a home to live in. Like, <laughs> 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 I could just see that real estate agent just slowly backing out the door into the shrubs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep. Um, oh, I started playing uh, Catherine Classic on Steam. Uh, so, <laughs> what a transition. Right, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Scotty, like, got me all excited about it from, you know, telling, you know, on the podcast last week. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm sitting here. Uh, I don't really I have some time to kill. So I ended up uh, downloading that and playing it for a while. I really am enjoying it. Like, I love the, the puzzle elements of the game. Um, it reminds me of a little bit of that uh sega puzzle game on uh the psp called crush i don't know if you guys oh yeah crush 3d yeah i love that game um obviously it doesn't have you know the same like 3d um and 2d aspects to it but it's just similar in a way uh but i'm i'm really liking it so far i'm not super far into it yet but uh really enjoying it and i'll definitely pick up uh what's the what's the other game coming out like next month um that's f- it's it's the same well it's Catherine full body but it's getting that's the right. treatment similar to like uh persona 4 had persona 4 golden because mm-hmm. there are there is it's like a i would call it a 0.5 more than anything as i was reading more into it and how much they add it's not a full sequel but they add an entire 
extra character that ties into the story and everything. So, um, and you know, we were joking last week. I looked more into it. I don't know if you were serious or not, Rob, but this next character, her name is Catherine and it does actually start with a Q. (laughs) No, I just made all that up, you know, seriously. That's Um, yeah. I mean, they, I think they just call her Rin in the game. I think they just call her Rin for short, but it, I looked at the spelling. It does start with the fucking Q. Look, here's my problem with that game. Does it come with more blocks I can jump up and down on? Like, I just, I just want to know: is there more? I'm is there more sure. blocks in block climbing? It's fucking weird game. I don't know. I mean, look, it's, it's visually yeah. stunning. Yeah, I'm not gonna talk. I, I cannot. I wished. Um, what was that lollipop chainsaw? Yes, that was. That I wish the game. I wish lollipop chainsaw looked like Catherine. That would be. That would be my suggestion. That would have been know, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much uh, they actually add to the levels and gameplay in that aspect, but I know the story is is uh, has severely different things going on this time around. So I, I'm very excited for that game. But yeah, it's a good game. I'm glad you're digging it, Chris. The The story is very much an adult story, and I think that's what kept me playing because there were totally times in that first game where I like looked up a YouTube walkthrough of how to get through some puzzles because, oh boy. I almost started playing on the easy mode and I was like, no, because I, I heard some of the puzzles are really hard uh, as you get further into the game. So I'm probably just going to have to end up doing it that way. But I haven't had too much problems with it so far, but I can see uh, the difficulty ramping up and it being a, a bitch to get through. I, I will give you one pro tip. You don't have to master every single like maneuver. They tell you like, here's the spider or here's the crawfish or whatever the fucking code names are for some of those moves of mm-hmm. pulling out blocks and position them certain ways. I got through it without doing all that crazy shit, but it was definitely difficult. Oh, okay. That's, that's good to know. So um, I'll, uh, I'll hit you up if I need some, some help on that. So, um, yeah, it's all right, that's good. Yeah, it's, good stuff so that will wrap up uh what we've been up to uh we have a we're debuting a new segment in the uh the podcast this week scotty why don't you uh tell us about it yeah it's the mega mail sack so let's open her up i'm gonna do that every week because i know you guys hate it Let me just rustle around in here. Get, okay. All right. We got first up, uh, and you can send us your questions when we ask for them on the Twitters at Megavisions Mag. First up, we've got at Jurassic Steve, who asks, if the Dreamcast had succeeded, do you think Sega would still be in the console business, or do you think they were destined to be a third-party publisher at some point? Um, I believe, didn't the original creator of Sega, he always wanted to be a third-party, or am I just making that up in my head? Does anybody know that off the top of their heads? I think you might be making that up, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't know if 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 they actually succeeded, would they keep going? Because uh, it's just you just have to take into consideration so many moving pieces and factors with like the Microsoft partnership, yeah. and then you know PlayStation Two's coming out. Then you had GameCube. I don't know. It'd be it'd be a weird thing, but I felt like. That when my, once Microsoft entered the arena, so to speak, I feel like, I mean, there have been so many other game companies, but I felt like it would get crowded and then kind of saturated and it would just wouldn't work anyway. And I feel like the, just their management um, at that time um, would it just eventually fail the console or whatever succeeder would, would you know, 
appear. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I agree. I'll, uh, well, I'll go last. I'll let everybody, uh, let everybody else go, go, uh, Rob, what do you think? If the dreams that the dreams the dreams act confirmed mega is real. putting out the next console the dream sack it's the, <laughs> <laughs> well someone's got to take that soldier boy money you right know? <laughs> no <laughs> uh, no um look if the dreamcast has succeeded i really think what would have happened was the microsoft and sega would have would have merged or, or made a partnership or um uh Microsoft would have bought Sega. I mean, the whole point of the Xbox was it was Microsoft looking at a partnership with Sega. Right. But for but because the Dreamcast didn't, you know, they were gonna lose their company, so they got but Sammy bought them, right? Like so mm-hmm. they stayed Japanese. But I think had they been successful, there would have been a I don't think Microsoft would have gone all in on their own. I think there would have been you could almost call the Xbox the Dreamcast too. Just in mm. terms of the way oh, the yeah, Duke was definitely. designed and and the whole vibe of that initial launch was very Sega y. I mean, it was very Sega like with the, the Xbox. So if you took the 90s marketing of the Genesis and threw in the, the power, you know, that the, the Dreamcast had provided in terms of next level processing power at the time, you get the Xbox. So um I I think the, the real shame of it all, folks, is that we never got a VMU version two. You know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with that because that had such that had more potential than the console itself. I feel like well, yeah. they were going to need to redesign that controller anyway, um, right? And so it, you know, they were going to have to add another uh, analog stick. If if so, if we're saying that the Dreamcast had succeeded, obviously it would have had a much longer life. There, there, you couldn't keep it the way it would be. So at that point in time, I think it would make sense to also do a revision of the VMU. Um, but what would you have liked to have seen in uh, a VMU two, Rob? Um, well, obviously, you know, in we're talking what two thousand three, two thousand five technology. Mm-hmm. What year did the Xbox came out? Two thousand three. The no, 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 two thousand one. Shite. So I mean, look, if it was around there, um, obviously it would have to be full color. Um, you know that would have been pretty easy. I mean, I had an afterburner on my cell phone around that time. So (laughs) like, I I think that would have been easy. I think though, too, it would have been really great to have like an eight bit version of the game with you, like a four bit, whatever the resolution would have been that you could, it would have been a really interesting thing to say. If you're playing halo on your Xbox or your dreamcast too, and then you were able to take that out and play more of like the game, but in like an Mm -hmm. eight bit mode, like, you know, like like that would have, and it would have also brought in maybe a seconds, a real time um, second screen DS yeah. or sort of proto DS mobile gaming to 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 that platform. Um, and I think it would have been possible to do a touch screen, like even if it was just like tapping to interact, not even a ton of stuff. You know, like it it could have been like a mini. I want to say a mini phone, but it definitely would have taken that Wonderswan color slash mobile gaming that was possible at the time, you know, with you. Yeah, I think so. Because I think uh, the game.com was uh, totally out around old. that time, right? <laughs> so it had touchscreen. I mean, there was Xbox Live at the time, so they could have, it could have been the way to do downloading games and taking them with you before 
Like if they right. wanted to test a mobile market without ever having made a mobile console, they could have made like a Game Boy uh, resolution with with color. That would have been. That's what the VMU could have been like a backdoor way to get in the mobile market that Microsoft still has never been able to do, or Sega for that matter. Hmm. Yeah, and most of uh, you know, speaking of Xbox, you know, there was House of the Dead Three, there was Jet Set Radio Future, there was Crazy Taxi, um, High Roller on the xbox i think um you know because they all they other than the sonic games mainly uh, sega definitely made its way over to the xbox there i think um if yeah i think and we kind of said this if the dreamcast succeeded then i don't know that the xbox would have ever even released um and i think that sega then would have kicked off online gaming in a way that microsoft did because they already had that in the works with fantasy star with like even the little things like downloaded um you know, Christmas themes for Sonic Adventure or different things like that. I think uh, Sega could have maybe kicked that kicked that off. And if Microsoft didn't push them aside and put out their own console, that they would have had a pretty strong backing of Microsoft in terms of their online market and everything. Yeah, a, p- a partnership between Microsoft and Sega would have been amazing uh, to see what um, they could have done just with the all the all the awesome like technical engineering um that microsoft would bring there you know and that's not even accounting for the money um either if they're back in but uh to answer the question i think sega would have eventually had to gone uh, had to go third party uh, i just think that after the you know if the xbox did come out like you guys said earlier it would be too crowded of a market sega was the smallest company um out of the four and I just think that they would eventually get pushed out. Um, I think they would just continue to lose the market share uh, unless, you know, they'd be able to come out with some crazy console that would be, you know, something like the switch or something, you know, that how that kind of revolutionized, um, you know, the console market, this, uh, you know, this uh, generation. So I think they would eventually went third party. And I think that was probably the best move for the company. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think, um, not to sound pretentious, but Sega was always ahead of the game. Uh, they did stuff. To a fault. Exactly. They did it way earlier than people should have. Like, I remember that article that Graham wrote, wrote in Megavisions. Uh, I can't remember which issue it was. I, I want to say five, where he had all the crazy Dreamcast attachments that he was talking about and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like the microphone, the Dream Eye, which was a camera, uh, there were things planned for the VMU to make it a V it, to make it an MP3 player. I don't know if there was anything in terms of a cell phone, but they could have definitely done that. You know, it's they just had so many ideas, but unfortunately, with ideas and prototypes come money, and things did not even out in terms of the 32x and the Sega CD and mm-hmm. all, and not to mention the whole. Um, uh, banging of heads between Sega Japan, Sega America. So I, I agree with Chris. I think that it might have been inevitable, even if they went past the Dreamcast, that they would have become third party still. Yep, definitely. So, and then <clears throat> next up in the mailbag here, MailSec, DreamSec, at Stuff We Play asks, What are your thoughts? Would Sonic Extreme have been enough to save the Saturn? No. Um, I, yeah, I <laughs> I will say I'll say my bit and then we'll go around the table here. Uh, definitely not. And I say that more recent, more um, 
affirmative recently because the more that I see released of its uh, the dumps that people have done, demos that people have put out of it, I think it's better that it was left dead uh, against Mario. It would not have it would have been a laugh, uh, especially with that fisheye lens. Um, but and it just it doesn't look like it was ready. Uh, but I think you know. I'm happy that it existed because they obviously learned from it. Uh, we got we got Sonic World in Sonic Jam in that collection, which was a fun little like 3D romp. And Sonic R is bad, but for some reason I love it. But I feel like that came as a result of Sonic Extreme as well. So no, it would not have saved the Saturn, but I'm glad it happened. So uh, Marson, what do you think of that? Oh, see, I thought, yeah, I was muted, I guess. I said no. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> there's, there's no way. Because they there was already the initial you know fuck over of the retail stores when they announced the saturn that it was coming you know that day when they announced it at e3 or uh, whenever it was yeah um saturn day. they they got you know pissed off retailers half of them didn't have enough supply to meet demand and they thought they'd get one step ahead of it but that that was just the nail in the coffin um and then you know it didn't help when the company as a whole was essentially moving on from the Saturn. And then they agreed that, you know, this, that Dreamcast is what we're going to be focusing on. Um, so Sonic Extreme would not, there's no way that game itself would have saved the whole console. I think yeah. it would have helped uh, a lot. Um, if, if Sonic Extreme was a good game, I think it definitely would have helped, especially if they were able to get it out like a launch title. That would have been big for the Saturn, but I don't think it would have been enough to, to save it at all. I mean, it's just, I think with the, with the way the industry was moving where everything was going 3D, the Saturn just wasn't built to to kind of do that. You know, it did, it, it, it could do way better 2D games. And so it would have been awesome to see if Sega went like full out and just kept with the the, the 2D style of games because I think we could have got some amazing games that would have aged a lot better than most of the games in that generation. That's partly why um, the PlayStation Classic sucks so bad is because most of those games just don't age, whereas like your your uh, Nintendo and Super Nintendo games are so great today. Um, but I, I yeah, I just I don't think it would have uh, been enough. Well, two things, guys. One, Sonic Extreme wouldn't have saved the Bug franchise. Like, it really wasn't much of a Sonic game. It was more like um, Bug, but on a sphere where you're kind of rotating around levels. Yeah, like, yeah, it was. It, it, nothing, nothing about the gameplay was Sonic-y other than Sonic was in it. So, like, you know, that it's not like you ran through and you were zooming around and doing loops and stuff. It was just, it wasn't much. Uh, and then to the, the Saturn, I mean, look, the PlayStation Classics suck for a lot of reasons. It's not because it didn't have good games, because the good games aren't on it, and it's cause severely underpowered. Um, but I mean, the Saturn, even in the, the States, had Symphony of the Night. It had a lot of really good 2D games that were available to it. Um, the problem was Sega of America. You know, Sega of America just was not behind bringing 2D games to the states and look at the time i was in retail selling saturns and it was impossible to get anyone to buy a 2d game in retail at that time i mean they just kept playing virtual on on the on the demo the sega saturn demo that we had there in store right 
you know, and that was the best you could do. Like with three, everyone was like, two D's dead. Three D's the way to go, and and they were right. It's just that it was going to take another generation before he can get you know to the point where that was going to you know make me gra- graphical games that could that could hold up better. Um, but Sonic Extreme is just it's just one of those games that keeps popping its head. Like, oh, this this would have done it. I think the demo, the Sonic demo on the the was that Sonic. Was that the, the CD? The, the, there was a collection on the Saturn that had like a little demo where you could run around in 3D as oh, Sonic. I don't know. I mean, uh, that sounds kind of like Sonic World in Sonic Jam, which was a. That's just, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. more Actually, Sonic than Sonic Extreme. I don't right. know if you guys, how, how familiar with Sonic Extreme you guys are, but that, I mean, it really felt like. You remember on the 64, there was a. What was that? There was like this Tetris game, Sphere Tricks. Like oh, Tetris uh, Sphere. Tetris-sphere. Yeah, yeah, Sonic Sphere. That's what it. Just, I, I really, the first time I saw Sonic Extreme, I was like, "Is this like supposed to be like in VR or something?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I, very strange. Yeah, it's a strange looking game, man. I think that kind of uh, sort of what you said with the camera and just other emphasis around how wonky it was uh, that would have pushed more for like, "Holy crap, we need a second thumbstick!" Like, you need control of the camera in this. And and I see that in Sonic World, um, like it's you have basically just buttons to either have like a like a helicopter view or right behind him or like maybe sort of over his shoulder. Like it would have pushed a lot of. Yeah, I, it's good that they waited till the Dreamcast for a full 3D Sonic uh, thing. So the, um, the other question, yeah. and I'm sorry to keep this going, but um, if they released Shinmu for the how would that have changed things if at all uh it would not have looked good (laughs) i don't know i guess if it was like battling with the playstation it would be decent but i don't think there can be any one game that can save that console yeah no i agree but that that would have been crazy to see so i have a quick question Mm -hmm. how would the eyes look on the Saturn version compared to Shinmu 3. Like with the eyes <laughs> equally dead. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Oh man. <laughs> um next up, Caesar the writer asks, what is one of the weird games, so no Final Fantasies, you would have loved to have played on a Sega console instead of a console it was released for? And he says that mine would have been Turok 1 or 2 for the Saturn, for example. So very open to interpretation. But so I guess he's saying like and my gut reaction was like, oh, I'd want to see Twisted Metal. But I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. We got Vigilante 8 on the Dreamcast. So I'd, I got to think about it a little more. But uh, who has an answer for this? Uh, I guess I would want to see <laughs> Donkey Kong Country on the Genesis. There you go. Although I don't think it would actually would it even be powerful enough to play Donkey Kong Country. Uh, that I'm not sure. That might have been one of the... Because I know that... Essentially, the game's rare made um, kind of pushed the SNES. Uh, but, you know, the, the backgrounds, even though it was in 3D and whatever, the backgrounds, backgrounds, the backgrounds were rendered. That was hard to say. Um, <laughs> so they could probably just like, you know, paste it on there and uh, not have it look as 3D. It would probably be pretty choppy, but it could maybe still run. Well, there was a game on the Genesis that used pre-rendered sprites in a, because because Donkey Kong Country is just pre-rendered sprites. Was that Experts? Did they? I'm talking no Toy Story, man. 
So if you go look at Toy Story on the Genesis, <clears throat> uh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, it's pre, we were playing it at uh, at E3 on the Polymega, and uh, the problem with the Genesis, it didn't have the color depth that this the SNES had. So mm-hmm. you could do a version easily because of of Donkey Kong Country, because all you had to do was just have some silicon graphics rendering stations. You render out uh, the 3D characters as 2D sprites. The problem is it wouldn't have had the color. So there's a lot of like dithering and like it almost looks like I won't say Game Boy color palettes, but there's a lot of like when you get to Buzz Lightyear and and Woody, like Woody is like three tones of brown versus a rendered looking Woody, you know, like it. There's only so many colors that the Genesis could display on screen, right, right, at, at any given time. I thought of uh, one compared to Donkey Kong would also be Vector Man. I think that was sort mm-hmm. of their answer to that. Yeah, but it had to use those those spheres to get around. Like, there's a reason why it uses all those spheres, and so um, it, you're using one sphere, and it's like instancing spheres. So you're only drawing so many real sprites in real time. It, I, I won't bug you as for. There's a reason why that you can see that effect being done a lot in um, the, the Adventures of Batman and Robin. There's a, these like 3D like effects where it uses like a crane with, made out of spheres in the same way that Vector Man uses that because oh. the way the Genesis can scale sprites. So hmm. um, I would say that if they had made a version like Donkey Kong Country, it would play better if it was faster, like more like an arcade shooter because yeah. of the way the yeah, Genesis yeah. could do that. Yeah. Right. I would say uh, for mine, I would pick uh, Animal Crossing to come on to the Dreamcast. Oh. Um, and I think you could, and so maybe it's cheating a little bit, but I, I would like an Animal Crossing style game, but with like Sega characters, because I think that would be really cool to have a whole village with Sega characters from all the different games. Uh, And then you could even include some of the online uh, functionality that the Dreamcast had and you'd be able to visit uh, your friend's uh, village and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I I love the Animal Crossing series. I think it's so cool. Uh, But adding in some of the Sega elements that you could... Uh, potentially do there would be a lot of fun like it would be great to go over to alex kid's house and break his stuff i think so that that sounds pretty cool that, <laughs> yeah because you could you'd have the sega quote-unquote celebrities you know in the game and stuff yeah definitely yeah um i the one i thought of uh was actually and again they'd have to get another controller but i'd love to have seen katamari uh domacy on the dreamcast because i think they could have like done some sort of weird four player thing and just all the wacky uh clearly japanese inspired games that were on the dreamcast like pen pen trisalon it'll bleed just crazy stuff i think katamari would have fit perfectly in the dreamcast library that would have been going uh, yeah. Can I throw one in really quick? Yeah, yeah. For me at the time, it would have been Jet Force Gemini. Oh. The, uh, it just what's what Rare was doing on the '64 at the time with Perfect Dark and Jet Force. Just the '64 wasn't capable. Even Perfect Dark, it wasn't capable of doing what they wanted to do. So you had tons of slowdown, and I dare you to put like twelve bots in Perfect Dark. But Jet Force Gemini just kind of got lost in the shuffle. And if that had been on the Dreamcast. Uh, I think that would have been, you know, like like one of those those games everyone remembers being on the Dreamcast easily. That would have been a good one. Yeah, I never got too much into that one because I think that was out when the Dreamcast was sort of stronger, or at least during its stronger time, if I recall correctly. But um, that would have been cool. Yeah, Martin, did you say one? 
Donkey uh, Kong. Yeah, oh, Donkey yep, You started it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Rob just started talking about balls and I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> Mission um, accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, last one here for this week uh, at Unbound Requiem asks, do you think the Bud Bowl would have made a good Sega game? Um, for those that don't know, like myself, because sports, the Bud Bowl <laughs> is when uh, during one of the Super Bowls, there was a commercial using bottles of Budweiser and Bud Light beer and just kind of in a still anime or like a stop time sort of football game. Uh, it introduced, what was his name? Suds McKenzie, the dog. Um, and uh, maybe didn't introduce him. I don't know. Sports. But my answer is yes, entirely. It would have been $5 and only sold at Blockbuster or beer distributors. <laughs> I agree with that. I think that is the best answer. Um, and I personally don't even know yeah, like what that commercial or whatever it is looked like. So I'm just going to uh, go to your answer and agree with that. Yeah, the Bud Bowl was, was a cool thing. I remember always looking forward to that. I think they aired it during that uh, halftime show, typically, is one of the commercials that would air then. And it was always a lot of fun. I, I love that series of commercials uh, back in the day. And that would have it would have made a crazy video game. I don't know, uh, you know, how well it would have translated. Um, I would imagine it would have been on like the Genesis because I think it was around during that time frame. So I don't know um, how well it would have translated to a Genesis game. But uh, there's some potential there, I think. And I feel like it would have gone like they could have made it super quote unquote violent and the bottles would like break and just foam would gush out of them on the field and stuff and then get taken to court for it. Yeah. There's a ton of like weird uh, football games on the Genesis. Anyway, you had uh, mutant uh, league football and then there was that uh, Jerry Glanville uh, like uh, football game too. I can't remember the name of it now. I have it, um, but it's a, it's, it's a weird football game too. It's just like really violent. Um, so I, it would have fit right in with all the weird football games on the Genesis. I think weird um, question as always. Yeah. From well, I think a few things. So three things. One, um, it definitely would have been a game that would have been at that, that hearing for, for the ESRB that event, <laughs> <laughs> they would have brought out the bud and tell you how the, it's corrupting kids into drinking. And, you know, they would have brought out the televangelist, um, Fucking Lieberman. Yeah, it would have happened. Uh, two, we would now be seeing a Kickstarter to to remake, uh, re reboot the Bud Bowl franchise uh, for modern <laughs> consoles. <laughs> that yeah. definitely would have happened. Um, I think also three. The thing to remember at the time, uh, by the way, it was Spuds McKenzie. I, I got. Oh, sorry. What did I call him? Suds. Uh, oh, I got, oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I know. I, I know. It's it's you know That's his brother. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know, but um, there's one guy out there going, fuck, someone finally corrected him. You know, that's, that's for you, dude. Uh, <laughs> um, but I also think three, uh, you know, at the time, there was a lot of games like that. There was Cool Spot on the NES, the Noid game on the NES. Yo, Noid. Yeah, Yo, Noid. There's a lot of really bad 80s commercials being turned into show project, but there was one amazing game that came out that set up sega for a great future it was called mcdonald's adventures that treasure made like adventures in mcdonald land oh, or something yeah. it was a mcdonald's game that treasure made before they did gunstar heroes and there right now has to be because i said that there has to be an alternate universe where the bud bowl is actually made by treasure 
and we all go, this was an amazing over the top Japanese game, you know, made by, by treasure, you know, that was one part shmup, you know, one part semi RPG, <laughs> one part football game. That would have been um, amazing. Now, <laughs> so, I, so, so laugh all we want. You know, I always say folks, it's not, that uh there's any bad ideas it's just bad execution mm. so you you know as an artist i'm constantly there's so many things that i've been it's been put on my plate to that that suck and you're like this sucks but it's my job to make it work and i just feel with the right developer the bud bowl could have <laughs> i really feel that could have been an amazing 90s game that we just never got <laughs> boy and uh for the record uh famitsu gave um the mcdonald's treasure land adventure game a 25 out of 40 well that's just mean what does Famitsu amazing... know anyway yeah i think i was thinking <laughs> of pup and studs as well regarding spuds mckenzie <laughs> it doesn't think matter that at the time or now like looking back uh that i don't know that was uh it just says upon release so take that with a yeah. grain of salt so that was probably because they were like, these gaijin are bringing their hamburgers and their shitty video games. But I'm telling you, like, if you go back and play, that is a solid platformer. Probably. You know, it, 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 if had that been reskinned with Mario, we'd all be saying it was an amazing Mario Brothers 2-1 or something. <laughs> oh, God. So all right. That's, uh, all, that's, that's uh, about all for the mail sack, unless somebody had more uh, thoughts on uh, suds and spuds there. <laughs> I think we're good. All right, we're going to zip it back up. And up oh, the zipper stuck. There we go. Okay, we're done with the mail sack now. Until next week. All right. Um next we're going to get into the news sack. I now we're turning any... to another sack. And oh, unfortunately, I, no... I don't have a zipper for this segment. Um <laughs> So, nice. yeah. So, why don't we just start off with the first bit of news? Let's just right get right into it. Um so Retrobit debuted the uh, a new device, uh, which is essentially a clone of the Sega Nomad. Um, and they showed it at CES. Uh, they officially called it the Genesis Portable System. I don't know if that's just a tentative name, um, but it includes an HDMI port, a PAL and TSC switch, and a reset button, which was not in the original uh, system. So they did release some pictures on Twitter. Um, I think they look pretty good. They did say it's a hard prototype, so people who were judging them um, be weary that this is still a prototype. So what are your guys' thoughts on this new device? Um, it has an HD output, and that would be really awesome if I could somehow output Genesis games sort of natively into HD and make them look a lot nicer on an HD TV because... 16-bit, 8-bit games don't look great on on HDTVs, everybody, in case you didn't already know that. Um, so it could be awesome. Uh, I, Yeah, I don't know. That could be neat. And I have a Nomad, and it doesn't work great, but it works. But uh, it'd be cool to see what, this, what the potential this might have. I think uh, someone pointed out, too, that there was that one X-Men game that you required you to to pause the game at some point uh, to be able to beat it. And because what? the original Nomad didn't have a start button, then uh, you weren't able to do it. Or maybe it was a reset what? button. I think it was a reset button, maybe. Okay, yeah, there is a start button on the Nomad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that it didn't have a reset button. And so you weren't able to do it. Uh, but this new one uh, from RetroBit, 
actually has the reset button, so you'll be able to to go through and uh, and oh. play the whole thing. Oh, thank God! Oh, <laughs> yeah, after all thank those God, years, right? I can do it now! Yay! <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, that's very strange. Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it looks pretty cool. I feel like I have more than enough gadgets and gizmos to you know for a lifetime but yeah i think it's 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 uh, a pretty cool device um anyone else have any thoughts on the matter i wish I, the I, screen was bigger i don't understand why that's the one thing that i'm like that screen is tiny like even even now on the nomad like you look at it like at the time it was like well i mean it's portable but <laughs> I, I'm interested. Have, have have we seen any of the games moving? Is there the motion blur? Because the Nomad had some has some blurring that wasn't. I mean, look, we can get a look. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that anyone do this, but you can go get a Raspberry Pi portable with some Sega <laughs> Soldier Boy game consoles um, <laughs> right. that just have a much bigger screen. So I'm trying to. I'm struggling a little bit with uh, with other than. I mean, is there a giant nostalgia factor for the Nomad, like to take your cards around with you? Like, is that a big deal? I think it comes from uh, those other retro bit things that could just play Genesis games or Super Nintendo games or like the Superboy, uh, those kind of things. I think it's just an excuse to do it because they can and they're going to try to uh, like make money off nostalgia. But I don't think anyone cared about the Nomad, really. I mean, I couldn't sell a Nomad in 1997 when they were like like 70 bucks <laughs> I think, yeah, in store weird. you know i was like guys no look you can take it with you and people were like we hate what this is 1997 we don't care yeah um, i think i guess was that like their answer to the well there was still the game boy then there was no was there the game was the game boy color out by then yeah. No, Game Boy Color didn't come out till 1999. Okay, yeah. maybe that was their like they saw the you know Game Boy was clearly not beating, or I mean that the Game Gear was clearly not going to beat the Game Boy, so they're like, this is our next handheld, but it's really not. We gotcha. Go buy this. No, there was just that R and D lab in Japan. They just kept making things and not thinking about like the cost feasibility or the the rationale behind it. I mean, the the Nobad took like six or seven AA batteries. Yeah, well, it didn't even you. uh, It had um, it didn't actually take batteries natively. You had to get a battery pack and put it onto the system because otherwise, it does have an input for the Genesis power cable, uh, and so you could plug it into a wall. Um, So we kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? Yeah, exactly. The one positive thing I do want to say about the Nomad is the one game that I love called Zero Tolerance. It has an actual like system link mode where it's a it's a I should preface it's a first person shooter, Um, not that great of a sci fi shooter game, but I love it. And it had a two player mode where you would need uh, you could send away a form and get a free connector cable, which is it just plugs into the player two socket. And that plug the other end plugs into another player two socket of a Genesis. So you'd have to have two TVs, two Genesis. Um, but I had a Nomad and I went over to my buddy's house and he played Zero Tolerance on the screen while I was playing on my Nomad device. So that was really cool, but probably not what it was designed for. But that was like that's like the one super duper awesome thing I have to say about the Nomad. What I really want is just the ability to download first party Sega games on my Switch. I want Burning Rangers. I want Sonic Spinball. There's a lot more games that we're just not getting that we could take mobily. And I just, yeah. I don't know, man. Like this, I mean, okay, here's the thing. Think about 
you guys going out of the airport and having to explain to them why you have 25 Genesis cards on you, you know, what the hell a Genesis is too. <laughs> They're pre- it's prescription. Yes. It's prescription. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a cool thing, but does the world need it? No, <laughs> most people will say no, but there'll be a lot of people who will want it, not necessarily need it. But, um, on to the next one where I personally would have wanted this game. Um, EA announced that the, I believe it was an, uh, yet uh, unnamed uh, Star Wars game, it was an open world game, was officially canceled. Um, so they announced uh, the game, announced alongside the shutdown of Visceral Games 2017, had been in development at EA's office in Vancouver. Um, and yeah, so now the Star Wars game is canceled. It was supposedly starring a bounty hunter and you were able to explore, um, a bunch of planets. Um, and EA did, uh, release an official statement uh, around three days ago. And they basically said, uh, there's been speculation overnight about one of our Star Wars projects as a natural part of the creative process. The great work by our team in Vancouver continues and will evolve into future Star Wars content and games. We're fully committed to making more Star Wars games. We're very excited about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order from Respawn, and we'll share more about our new projects when the time is right. So, why do you think this project was canceled? Um, cause EA don't know how to do that. Star Wars. I mean, since, since EA has gotten the license for Star Wars is battlefront, like pretty much all they've done with it so far. They've done some mobile stuff. I mean, I think isn't the old Republic has, didn't that go under EA? That was uh, Bioware that did that. Um, and I, trying I, to it may check. have been self-published, but, um, I think that was all before EA bought Bioware. Yeah, EA, so yeah. I can provide some insight here, folks. Right? Go for it. All right, so EA signed a 10-year deal um, for console games exclusive with the Star Wars license in 2010. Um, they've only produced two games since that time. Shipped two games. Um, Battlefront 1 and 2. Uh, I I had friends on the Amy Hennig develop project, which was what this was based off of. Wasn't this, that a thirteen thirteen? Was that or something? No, no, that's a LucasArts game. Oh, whoops! Okay, prior to the deal, so that was scrapped um, when LucasArts folded, and this deal was made. Um, the thing is, EA, the, the leadership at EA, only want to use their own engine. It's called Frostbite, and Frostbite mm-hmm. was built for Battlefield first-person shooters. It is not built for open world, uncharted Grand Theft Auto type games. It is. It is not only is it not built for it. They have managed to just spend. I don't know how the amount of money they've spent trying to make it work. Um, they could have just licensed Unreal, but the leadership at EA feels like, why should we license Unreal when we have our own engine? You know, and that engine is not suitable to anything other than Battlefield. It, that is really that simple. Mobile gaming is not exclusive to EA. That that they're able to do whatever with that. And that's why you end up with the that Diablo like Star Wars game. That was something else entirely. Uh, what now? The respawn that's using the Titanfall engine, 
that Respawn has. So that has nothing to do with EA. That's a partnership. And that's in response to the fact that they can't get anything made internally. They just can't. I mean, when you think about Uncharted and the amount, they, they had already done three Dak and Jaxer games. So they already had an open world experience um, and, and engine building. So when they moved to Uncharted and they did all that, they already had, you know, a pipeline for, for and, and game design uh, experience in terms of Naughty Dog in terms of setting that up you know how do we build a character that can run around and grapple things and climb on and stuff and do this and that they, they would have had to build all that from scratch and they, that's why they scrapped the amy hannah game because they couldn't get that engine up and it wasn't working for a lot of reasons and they thought they could do a version of it at was it the vancouver visceral the, the leftover studios they thought they could do a version of it that i don't know what that would have. i imagine it would have been more corridor based or rail based of some sort I don't know what they were thinking. I've, I sort of feel like that's just them stalling, you know, and willing to throw money at it. Um, what will probably happen is the license will go up in two years and Lucasfilm, Lucas, yeah, Lucasfilm uh, will either sign another exclusive contract with like Activision or give it to Sega. Um, or what will happen is, is they will no longer sign exclusive licenses. They will go back to just selling, you know, like they'll maybe, you know, someone like Insomniac or someone will acquire it. But the problem with Star Wars, guys, and I got to like having worked on Star Wars merchandise, it's one of those things that so I'm, I got to stop cutting myself off. But did you guys see the documentary series, The Toys That Made Us? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is a really good example of what I have personally experienced with the Star Wars license. Um, is that in so in the Toys of us they covered Lego last season, mm -hmm. and Lego was going through a lot of financial troubles, and the the son of the guy who owned Lego took over, and he signed a giant exclusive contract for Lego with Star Wars, and they had an immediate success and an immediate crash with with that license. Um, it happened like overnight, immediate, and then boom, nothing. And this also happened with Hasbro when they signed that deal for the Star Wars license with the Phantom Menace. See, when you go to the Star Wars figures, you can see the Hasbro guy like stressing. Sorry, the kid was Hasbro, the Lego was something else, but it was still they get the Star Wars license. They think there's going to be this giant, you know, we're going to make a ton of money, and then they have this buzz and then crash. You saw this with the Force Awakens where they had that immediate toy deal right and they they sell like 600 million worth of toys and then the very next year you know two years later with the last jedi they do one fourth that in merchandise sales so star wars always has this big push and then it crashes when you get the star wars license um especially with the game i mean you got to put in uh, 500 million in a game these days to make an open world game you got to put in between at least 500 million to make an open world Grand Theft Auto style game. They spent, I mean, that that's no shit. Like, so how much are you going to make back? You know, like you have to do the math on what the numbers there. And so, although we would like a great, you know, open world mega Star Wars game, I really don't believe there are enough numbers there to get, get that unless something happens with that license that it pushes the boundaries so far that you look at it and you go, my God, I have to go do that. Like uh, Red Dead Redemption does that where you look at that and you're like, oh my God, there's the Wild West. I, I, I There's no game like an open world Wild West game anywhere right now. 
But if you want to tell me, is there like a, you know, there are plenty of games running around where you're basically just, I'm not going to say there's a Star Wars like game, but there are Space Marine like, if you look at Destiny, it's not that big a difference from Star Wars visually, you know? Right. And you can, with the character creators, you can make any Jedi you want. Essentially. So, so what needs to happen, I feel, if, I feel a Factor 5 approach to Star Wars gaming needs to happen where you need... Factor 5 was um, a developer on the Nintendo 64. They came from the Amiga development out in Germany. They made Turrican, Super Turrican, which were these amazing like Metroid, you know, I'm going to say clone, but they riffed off the Metroid format. You need to take Star Wars, you know, to a point where you get like a smaller crew and you kind of nail down a specific little genre, right? And spend you know, a certain amount of money. Uh, I don't know what. I mean, there, there's something like that coming now with VR on the Oculus Quest. There's this Vader thing that ILM Labs are putting out um, that's sort of like a game, sort of like a movie. There's something there. But okay, look, think about it right now. Like, if if Star Wars had content in Fortnite, that would probably do Star Wars well. But it doesn't do the Fortnite guys anything because they got to pay licenses to maintain that every year and then right. take a portion of profits so this is why lucas built lucas arts in the, the beginning that he, they could make whatever they wanted and if they need to make a smaller scale star wars game they could they kept pushing their way into triple a gaming with 1313 uh aka star wars underworld and it bankrupted lucas arts they, they were developing 1313 in this indiana jones uh sequel with this giant physics engine at LucasArts and it bankrupted the company. They they it's like watching Sega scale up to Shenmue and crashing. Mm-hmm. So at this point, in order for something like this to happen, you're gonna really need a publisher willing to pony up the cash and they accept their they get they're 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 they're, they're we're never gonna get the financial reward from this. You know, you need someone that, that like a rock city that wants to prove themselves, you know, like really like with Arkham Asylum, like they really set the tone for that studio. You need someone who's willing to set the tone for that studio and go, look, we're going to use the Star Wars to catapult us like Factor 5 did that. You didn't know Factor 5 as much as I like Super Turrican. You didn't know Factor 5 was until Rogue Squadron. And so who out there now fits that bill? Who out there is that like struggling little developer who 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 just needs that breakthrough game that that you know could do it? Maybe honestly, respawn is the thing when you really think about it. like Titanfall Two is an amazing engine, but that game tanked. Mm-hmm. weren't they you know? uh, weren't they working on an open world alien game like the Xenomorphs at one point or something or an RPG? I think that I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I mean. Uh, I mean, look, if Bethesda really. had that franchise right now, I'd just be like, well, it's over, man. Game over. You know, speaking of Alien. Um, but as much as I'm like, oh, another multiplayer Star Wars game, Respawn, that might be the crew. They're, they have a smaller studio. They know how to make very specific things, you know, um, and they they have all the tools. That that. Other than that, I just don't. Do you guys really think Naughty Dog would put a billion dollars into making a Star Wars open world game, or or a Rockstar would put that kind of money only to then share the profits with Lucasfilm or Disney? That you really think that's going to happen? Like, no, they'd want to own the whole franchise for sure, um, and I don't blame them. 
Um, I think what would just make more sense is not do an open world uh, game that's going to cost that much money, but maybe do something uh, on a smaller scale. Like I would have loved to, and I know that a lot of people out there would love to see Bioware do another KOTOR game. Um, I, you know, that's what people have been asking for for a long time. Um, those first two games are great. I loved them. I still play them today. Uh, and I would love to see what they could do with updating that engine and, and the the style of game it was. Um, and I don't think you'd have to pour that much money into it. Up until Microsoft bought Obsidian, they were my pick to, to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to happen now. You know, so... Um, they were that that indie, you know. Look, look at what Insomniac just did with Spider Man, you know. So, like they they finally got to that's that's that magic formula where you have a studio that has the fucking talent, but that you know Ratchet and Clank doesn't do the numbers that you know they we would hope they would. They don't do Mario Odyssey numbers. Mm-hmm. So, um, that Spider Man game is now they're Uncharted. You know what I mean? Like they did it. They broke through, and. We that's the that's what they need. And I think respawn is up there. If it were an RPG, obviously Obsidian would would be my pick to be able to do that. But um, look, EA has a god. They, they have an RPG department. They have Dragon Age, <laughs> but that Frostbite engine, man. I just hear it's a internally. I, I just hear it's an extreme part of my language. It's 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 motherfucker. Mm. It is just not developed to do the things. And and I just don't see look. Uh, Jason Shire is covering a lot of the stuff, and we met him at E3, right? So, like, yeah. you know, my, my little name dropped there. But this is something that he said that the leadership doesn't want to pay for licenses, you know. And the person who signed the Star Wars deal was a different uh, CFO or CEO, however that the, the title was for that. The whoever signed this deal was a different leadership, and it's kind of like Tom Kalinsky making a deal for with Silicon Graphics to build a Sega Saturn, but sake of Japan had another plan, you know, so that ain't happening. I think it is a, a it is a colossal. How have we not gotten Rogue Squadron three or four out of EA? That would be easy to do a, a Rogue Squadron game that you build up, you know, you you put it out there for free or for whatever part of a pass, and then you build little action figure. You take that action figure pack with the packaging and apply that to building on a Rogue Squadron. But the $60 formula where we're going to loot box you to hell has not only hurt them, it's hurt the Star Wars brand. I mean, think about the goodwill that that first Battlefront commercial put out when that came. I remember it was like playing the guys at work and the phone rings and the X-Wings outside of his uh, studio, you know, his business. And he takes off his coat and he runs home and he gets to be a little kid. Like if they had built a free-to-play Rogue Squadron-based modular game where you could go buy not loot boxes but little action figure packs digitally you know and you could collect the different figures and the different characters and build onto your little playset. that would have been a smarter bet but i don't know guys you know what do i know you know yeah <laughs> i mean i think i think they definitely uh played into that nostalgia factor when you were referring to that um uh, commercial for the first Battlefront, and then you know what we ended up getting was not exactly the expectations that most people had for that game. Um, which actually kind of goes into our main discussion. Um, and I feel like this topic kind of deals a lot with nostalgia and our need for reliving um, past games. 
so our discussion for this week is how do we feel about re the remake remaster movement that's been taking place in the past couple of years. And we've seen everything from Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. We've seen Resident Evil 2 come out. We've seen a Final Fantasy VII remake that's currently, you know, in going to come out sometime next development. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> that'll happen when Chris's kids have kids. Yeah. Exactly. And then you know we've seen every single HD re-release of PS3 games and and you know complete editions, ultimate editions, all that. Do you guys think this is what do you guys think this will ever end anytime soon? Do you think it's a, it's a fad? And do you guys see this maybe take place in other forms of media? Uh, I think that people, people think they're out of ideas that make money, uh, kind of to harken back to also what Rob was saying there. Um, but the indie scene is not afraid to take chances. So they're creating crazy new things like, uh, for example, how Undertale took off and things like that. But, oh, yeah, we are there is going to be no slowing down of people remaking, redoing and whatever. I mean, the, for whatever reason, the 90s are back now. So that's why you see Mutant League football, Mutant Football League, whatever it was, Toe Jam and Earl. Um, they're not they're they're sequels. They're different games, but they're also remaking the formula that everybody loved because they don't want to stray too far from that. And I don't want to. I'm not slamming the new Toe Jam at all. At all. I am very pumped for that game. But just using that as an example of how the '90s are back. But uh, my short answer before we get too deep into discussion is this is not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest reasons for it it, it comes down to dollars, right? I mean, there, there's. Uh, Rob just went on and, and talked about how expensive games are uh, to make these days. And if you have an existing game already that you can, uh, and Sega has been doing this a lot uh, on the PC um, that you can basically just, you know, throw some, a little bit of extras on there, like make it, you know, 1080p 60 frames per second uh, and just throw some other little uh, additions onto it and then sell it for 20 to $30. You can make, uh, pretty good uh, chunk of change doing it that way versus uh, funding a full sequel uh, to a game. Um, and, you know, you see companies doing both of those things, uh, but I, I, I don't see it uh, stopping anytime soon unless people just stop buying those games. And I don't necessarily think it's a, a, a bad thing either uh, because it's it's awesome. I mean, I, I would love to play a, you know, a, a Final Fantasy remaster and, and see uh, that game, it's one of my favorite games of all time. And to see it in, you know, modernized and in, you know, today's graphics and, and style, I think it's a great idea. Um, but some companies definitely do it better than others and take more time and do it the right way versus just, uh, you know, taking shortcuts and, and trying to uh, get it out as quick as possible. Well, I um, see it as, oh. as there's three tiers. So one, you have re-releasing the game as is, right from the mm -hmm. publisher so like say taking spyro and spyro as is available in 1080p and they cleaned up maybe the menus so the you know the, the fonts scale up properly that's similar to final fantasy 9 on steam uh which is a really bad example of 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 it's a really great example of how not to do fonts by the way the font work on that final fantasy 9 port on steam <laughs> is, is atrocious just it lacks any soul whatsoever right i'm not a fan um but that's one way, and I think that's smart because that allows people to, you know, it keeps games out there. Uh, two, there's AAA remakes. So you take a game, and this is what I worked on last year, which is Spyro, where you take a, an older game that maybe because 
the, the graphical limitations at the time uh, would, would that's going to keep you from having any kind of real meaningful sales. Like the original Spyro was amazing for its time period, but it does look like origami, right? So some there's a great number of people who are just going to be put off by that. You're never going to be able to convince them otherwise. And so then you have someone who invests a tremendous amount of money to take that and remake it with modern graphics, but to keep the play control intact and the tone and the feel and the sense of fun and adventure uh, there. And that's what Spyro was. And there, that's an amazing example of something that worked. Uh, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, be, oh, because I worked on that thing. So I think it was an amazing game. Like, I'm just shocked that that exists. Uh, same with the Crash Insane trilogy that they did. Uh, that was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, I would love to see Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 done that way. Now, then there's the third thing, and that's indie development. And that's where indie developers are doing pixels or low poly games. And that's because of money. Like that, that's just, you know, indie developers don't have 200 million to throw at a unreal game to make it, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're working with limitations. And quite frankly, I find that that was that, that working in a box um, is where you get real magic, folks. As, as a guy, I, I make things constantly, and I, my best stuff comes when I am limited by what I can do. Like when you put a cap on what you're able to do, you start getting creative. And so, you know, is there is there a case to be made that maybe there's too many pixel games because it's too easy? They all tend to look like the same. Sure, you know, but then that forces you know people to work creatively to get around that to develop unique styles, and that's how you get a game like Undertale. Who would have thought making a zero-bit game would sell like it did, right? But then you have games like uh, Valferis, which is coming out, which takes that 2D sprite level work that was done in, in like Symphony of the Night and kicks it up to you know uh, Metallica Death Magnetic levels. Like it's it's an amazing sprite-based uh, game. And then you get this low poly stuff that used to be on Mega Man Legends that I think is the next big thing coming. Uh, from indie studios, and that's a type of format of a game that would never be made in a AAA studio, because bean counters don't have the mind for it. They go, well, why? It looks old and it looks too simple. We can use the new flashy stuff, but for indie developers, that and then that stuff will end up in a AAA game. It's always weird how one affects the other. So not only is it not going to go away, um, I I would not want it to, you know. The next great game director isn't probably going to come from a game suit. It's going to come from some kid or some college teenage, whatever, making an indie game, you know, with, with, with limitations. I mean, look at Minecraft. That's a great example of one guy with limitations who made something that made that guy $2 billion. And, you know, it's going to be around probably forever in one form or another. Um, So, so I think like that, that's, that's an exciting thing, I think, as as gamers, that the next great thing's right around the corner because the tools are and, and there's an art style that's inviting for it's it's what's the word I'm thinking of, guys? You know, it's attainable. Mm-hmm. If you're if you if you want to make a video game and all you're playing is is Spider-Man from Insomniac and Cyberpunk 2077, you know, you're never making anything like that. Good luck. But what the, the, the dusk, dusk is like a 3D you know, low poly with pixel art game. That's pretty, pretty cool. You know? So, um, I, I think it's exciting that 
that exists in today's ecosphere and it didn't you know 10 or 15 years ago yeah, yeah I, I, I think, think uh, uh oh i'm sorry i interrupted you entirely go ahead chris no i was just saying i was just saying it's a good thing it didn't because the games wouldn't have looked all that better but uh yeah i was uh one thing to add on is um something that's coming out of this this nostalgia remake whatever thing is you see a lot well actually sonic mania is a really good example of this uh they you know that game came from fans who were already making their own versions of sonic and and sega saw the potential in that and was like you know what let's scoop you up and uh you're gonna help us make the next sonic game which and also in in we were talking about playing it safe. Sega sure did play it safe with Sonic Mania because like eight of the 12 levels in that game are just remakes of old zones. Um, and uh, but it was a remake, but also it avoided probably lawsuits. Maybe I don't know to get a Sonic fan to do things. And the same thing actually happened with the Resident Evil remake coming up because originally there was a Resident Evil 2 HD kind of reimagining that a fan was doing. But uh, Capcom put a stop to that. But now, because of that, they are releasing this, which they saw the potential. And so it's, I don't know, it can, but again, that leads into the indie scene as well, like doing their own thing and then people helping them out or maybe not or whatever, but it, it, all kinds of good and bad things can come from it. But yeah, depending on how it's done, I'm in full support of remakes happening forever. <laughs> I saw something this past week uh, that I didn't realize I that I wanted was a, uh, I guess there's a, a fan thing going on where they're uh, remastering the original Mortal Kombat and just making it all HD and it it looks awesome. (laughs) I I really wish they would actually do that. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, the digitized HD graphics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah, nobody knew they wanted that until they saw it. What what, what remake or remasters you guys say is your favorite that you've seen so far in the past? I guess at this point it's like decade or so oh boy the first of my favorites that came to mind was the first resident evil that was out on gamecube but in the past decade i gotta think about that that is a good one though the resident evil remake on gamecube i thought was extremely well done um controls and all um it was also completely necessary i mean yeah like like that game as much as I love it, it's just, it doesn't hold up. You know, you're not scared by it at all. Right. But that remake, you could take that remake and do it in real time now and it would hold up 100%. Like it can be done. So I, have they done that? I don't Well, we look at Resident Evil 2, the new one coming out. That's proof positive of that. I am biased because I think Spyro is, you know, like I, I knew your I'm, I'm, <laughs> Hey, man, I'm, I, I'm a shell, but it really right. is quite an amazing little, little game that I've always <laughs> said in the 90s, there was always that push for is this going to be a, a a real-time Pixar game. Like, that was the constant bar that was being set. Any like when PS2 came out, are we going to be able to play Pixar games in real time? And I look at that Spyro game. I'm like, well, there, yeah, there's a real-time Pixar game, you know. So, uh, other than that, I I have to agree. I think that Resident Evil would probably be, you know, in terms of a remake that 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 sets the bar did you um rob you mentioned them before did you play the ducktales remaster that capcom did a little bit ago yeah but you know the thing with that is um i wish there was noise or it's a little too when flash animation's too clean Mm -hmm. i feel like it if there's a cheapness about it i can't put my hand on not enough character to it 
Yeah, I don't know what it is. I I I think it's an amazing effort, but I wish there was an imperfection to the f- or if it was pixels or I don't know. Like um like I'm looking at the New Streets of Rage 4 or Monster Boy. There's something about that level of art versus what was done on DuckTales. Maybe the DuckTales stuff is too vectory. You know what I mean? Yeah. If there was more of some hand-painted textures and stuff. You yeah, know or if, yeah. Like like Wario, what was that Wario shakeup? You know that. Oh one? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that was. Oh, a, I wish. It, yeah, I wish the Ducktales was more like that. But, you know. That would be cool. Yeah, I do agree. It looked kind of too too shiny or something. Uh, for mine, I think I would have to go with uh, Wonder Boy: The Dragon Strap uh, that was released uh, in 2017. Now, um, I think that they did that really well. Lizard Cube did a a phenomenal job. Uh, on that game it's amazing that you can switch on the fly between the original graphics and the new graphics it's just it's really cool to to just go into a a new location a new screen and flip it back and forth just to see what they did with that game how they kind of reimagined it to give more character more life to all the different villages and all the different levels uh they did a tremendous job and that one's probably my f- more favorite. I think the Resident Evil ones are a great pick because they did an awesome job with those. But this one just released uh, in the last couple of years, and I think that's probably my favorite uh, remastering that uh, has been released more recently. Yeah, I. Um, you reminded me of how when they did the first Halo, redid the first Halo, you could hit the back button or whatever and go to like the old original Xbox graphics and then switch back to the current jet graphics. Mm-hmm. Like if any game does that, I'm a sucker for that. Um, kind of like how Rob mentioned forever ago about um, ukulele having the N64 graphics. But uh, it, uh, honorable mention, I don't know if you can even still download this game anymore, but Hydro Thunder Hurricane is really, really good. And it's like a Hydro Thunder original reimagining that I can't talk good. I can't. Oh, man, I can't even talk correctly now. I can't say enough good things about Hydro Thunder Hurricane, though. Yeah, I've never seen that, so I'll have to check that out. It was only on 360, so I'm trying to find out while Marson tells us his favorite, if it's still available. Uh, I mean, I, I I think Resident Evil has been the the game to beat in terms of like a remake, and uh, and I'm pretty sure they re-released every single Resident Evil with the exception of three and two, I guess, on PS4 because I know they re-released five and four and six for some reason um on ps4 and then they put zero and one i think as one game like as a packaged game it was like a limited release um so i actually i think i do own a a copy of that on ps4 so it looks much better than uh the gamecube version um but yeah i think that one is the best i wish uh shenmue would have gotten a proper remake personally um, based on like some of the video footage that they released because it looks like they were actually planning on doing it, but they scrapped it for one reason or another. Um, yeah, that's another one I would have liked to, uh, to see. And like, on a, on a, I guess it's a side note, but not really. Like movies are doing the exact same thing. Like I think <laughs> Disney has been re-releasing every single original, you know, Silver Age uh or golden age uh disney movie into a uh live action you know they're just going through the list <laughs> the beauty and the beast and little mermaids coming and and cinderella and all that stuff 
Everyone's Will Smith is the genie. Yeah. Oh in God. Latin, in Latin. <laughs> Should have gotten Sinbad. Uh, yeah. God damn it. Too close I to home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hydra um, Thunder Hurricane is still available. It's ten bucks on the Windows Store. I've never visited the Windows Store. I don't know. That's where it first popped <laughs> up. But it's turn on your 360. You can still buy it. That's where cool. games go to die. Right. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. Probably. Um, all right. I think that's going to wrap up uh, this this episode of the Mega Vision Show. Uh, Scotty, do you want to talk about uh, what you have upcoming streaming? Uh, yeah. On our Twitch this next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, TJ's always doing stuff on Sundays, uh, but oh, I should probably tell you where it is. Twitch.tv backslash Megavisions Mag. TJ does stuff on Sundays. I do stuff on Tuesdays, making my way through Panzer Dragoon Saga. Um, and I mentioned I play a little kind of a lax uh, action-y game at the end of each night to end a slow RPG uh, session. But um, also Fridays, uh, Kusanagi's doing stuff on there. When the Resident Evil 2 remake comes out, we will be streaming that as well. So look forward to that because they released it on Dreamcast. It's Sega related. Absolutely. Um, and uh, that's pretty much what's going on. So Sunday, Tuesday, Fridays, that's when you got to tune into our Twitch. Very nice. And Rob, you're always uh, live streaming your work as well. So what do you got coming up this week and uh, where can people go to uh, check you out? NDAs. <laughs> Plenty of NDAs coming this week. <laughs> and you can check out my work in a year. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, actually, I will be doing some streaming when we're building issue eight. So there'll be cool. that. So very cool. If you want to see me make a magazine and because <laughs> I don't, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe I got to look at this. But uh, no, nah, I enjoy it. It's just a love hate relationship with graphic design. But it is always fun to do. And I do have people in the stream and we generally talk about retro gaming for hours on end. So it's always fun. That's awesome. Where can people uh, check that out? Sketchcraft.com. There you go. Sketchcraft.com. And uh, if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, always remember to go to www.patreon.com slash megavisions. There you can uh, have your choice of a physical print version of the magazine, or you can get a digital issue of the magazine on each issues released quarterly. Uh, and it uh, contains 64 pages of awesome Sega and retro gaming coverage. So um, be sure to check that out, and I think that's going to do it. So we will be back next week. Take it Chris, easy. Chris, uh, that's also available at Shining Force 4, the number 4.com. <laughs> right. Shiningforce4.com yeah, will get you right to the Mega Visions Patreon. Very nice. All right, that's going to do it. See you next time. Peace. <laughs> I need backup! A rookie cop facing unspeakable evil. There's something really wrong here. These things aren't dying. I just blasted this thing, and it's still alive! One of the most anticipated games of 1998, Resident Evil 2. If the suspense doesn't kill you, something else will. Everyone's gonna die!